beginning a series on the cross today. Cross examination over the course of the next six weeks. We're going to examine the cross, what happened on the cross, what happened leading up to it, and what happened as a result of the cross. This morning, I want to start at the end and work our way back to the beginning. The cross was a Roman instrument of death. It was T-shaped, made of three kinds of wood, probably not as proper as this one, as it was indeed a tree. Our Savior was not the first to be crucified, nor was he the last, but his crucifixion shook heaven and changed humanity. The cross is not just a symbol of Christianity to me, it is my salvation. It holds a special place in my heart. The Bible is not without error if the cross doesn't exist. Religion is not worth doing if the cross doesn't exist. Many of us could have been on a golf course or have slept in today if the cross didn't exist. Jesus was mocked and beaten and he hung on that cross in fulfillment with every Hebrew prophecy. And Paul would say the message of this cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The foolishness of the cross for those who have not received salvation who've not felt the Spirit of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the message of the cross is foolish, but to those of us who are being made perfect in His image, it is power from on high. The most important event in human history took place during a period of three days. During the spring feast of Passover at a place called Golgotha, or Calvary in Jerusalem, Israel. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, the fulfillment of every Hebrew prophecy, died on the cross, released words, released promises, connected himself with us, and maintained his covenant with heaven. I believe with all of my heart this was no ordinary death, no ordinary martyrdom. This was a cosmic and magnetic event that is still being talked about over 2,000 years later. You know, seasons change. Our heroes from today will be forgotten 100 years from now. But our Savior has maintained his popularity and his prominence throughout history if I ask you who your favorite football coach was you'd pick someone of the last 20 years because that's who you know you probably wouldn't say Vince Lombardi if I ask you who your favorite basketball player was you probably wouldn't say Wilt Chamberlain you'd say LeBron if you're crazy <laughs> Jordan if you're wise but you wouldn't pick the heroes of old. But our Savior has maintained his position 
and his power for over 2,000 years. That is not an accident. It's because he died for us, for our sins, and he also got up out of the grave with a promise that he would not leave us orphans, that he was coming back for his people to reconnect us with heaven. But also, he left us a kingdom to advance on earth. I'm excited about this series because I believe with all of my heart the church needs to get back to the cross. And as I said, we're going to start at the end and work our way back to the beginning. John witnessed the death of Jesus Christ. He founded the church of Ephesus. He took care of the mother of Jesus. And the fact that he witnessed the crucifixion of Christ made him public enemy, number one, to the Roman government. He was past 80 years of age when he was sent to the island of Patmos. I've been there and I've seen this deserted place. He was exiled there and there he was in the spirit of the Lord and God gave him a vision. This vision was of a lamb and elders and seals and angels worshiping. And there was a mysterious scroll there. A transfer of power took place as the father handed over the scroll to the only one worthy to redeem all of our shortcomings, all of our failures. And that was our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. He was qualified to redeem us because of who he was, what he did, and because of his word. Listen to what it says in Revelation 4. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I'll show you things which must take place after this. I was in the spirit, the apostle John said, And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, which I believe with all of my heart were the saints of old that we read about in the Old Covenant. Many believe also the rapture of the church. But they were leaders who led movements who stayed the course. He said they were clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. Seven churches, many believe, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back and this represents every kind of humanity. Every kind of humanity. Everything under the creation of Elohim represented in this beautiful picture. So how can I even begin to explain what Jesus did for me and what he 
did for you. How many of you have ever been to a pawn shop? Many of you. That's not good. We got to, I'm just kidding. Pawn shop. It's a place where you go if you're short on money. And you give them your property and you sign a commissionary note saying that you will pay back. And they hold your items until you can redeem what you lost. Adam and Eve pawned their inheritance in the Garden of Eden. What was their inheritance? Perfect union with God, a perfect relationship, and they pawned it or they sold it, very much like Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. Adam and Eve said, listen, we're pawning this. We believe there is more than this. And they pawned their inheritance. That is why we struggle today with our flesh because they forfeited what God had provided them. Looking for the things of this world, wanting more, wanting their independence from God. And a curse was brought on humanity and that curse had to be broken. It had to be redeemed. In order for us to gain our independence and our freedom and our salvation, someone had to pay the note. Someone had to buy it back. And that someone was the king of all kings who made himself of no reputation, who was criticized and mocked and laughed at, but he never sinned. He died on that bloody cross. It wasn't some accident. It wasn't simply because he was considered a radical for his time. It was because he was savior of the world and God's only son. And there had to be a way for us to walk in our inheritance, advance his kingdom, and be reconnected with that other dimension. The way was Jesus. He would say of himself, I am the way the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. I don't know about you, but I've been redeemed. The word redeemed in the Greek means bought with the price. He paid my ransom. He paved my way. He slid inside of the courtroom and found me not guilty. He's wiped me clean of everything I've ever done or will do. He is the only one worthy to do that. He is Jesus, King of all kings. And you wonder why people cry when they lift their hands and they tremble and they fall on their knees when we start singing about the Lamb. It's because they felt that redemption. They remember what it was like to be lost, to be broken, to have no purpose. And this Savior that died came in and forgave us, and paved our way, healed our bodies, promised us a future. That's why we praise Him.
That's why. Not because we have to, because we want to. Not just because we want to, because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. First Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like gold and silver from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You weren't redeemed by religion. You weren't redeemed by four steps to salvation. You were redeemed by the blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. He paid for my sins. He paved my way. And although we are to walk this out, it won't be fully realized until Revelation 21 where we inherit that kingdom and we serve that kingdom and we reign with him as kings and priests in that kingdom. And it says he'll wipe every tear away from our eyes. No more cancer. No more COVID. No more death. No more addiction. No more bondage. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more struggle. Oh, I received the promise this morning. Do you receive it? Oh, there's a promise. At the cross, promises were given. And those promises have to do with our praise. Because everything Jesus was is available to us. John would describe these marvelous sights and sounds. Things that have been debated about for centuries. And books written about. About the Lamb at the forefront. Romans 4 verse 9 says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders then fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. First thing in the text is a mysterious scroll, number one. This was a seven-sealed book. And it describes God's plan of redemption and all of our failures and shortcomings as human beings. It describes every mistake we've made and we will make. And the only person, as I said, that could open this story of redemption was a kinsman redeemer. Revelation chapter 5 is a continuation of 4. It is the story of redemption and it's a story of how praise turns into promise. Revelation 5, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. John sees a sealed scroll with writing on the inside and outside. Scrolls were used to protect the contents from being tampered with. His plan of redemption. Let's talk about a kinsman redeemer. I can't preach the entire book of Ruth to you, but many of you know the story. Naomi and her husband's sons, Malon and Chilion, fled from famine in Bethlehem to Moab. And there the boys marry Ruth and Orpah. The husband and sons die, and widowed and bankrupt, Naomi returns to Bethlehem to her forfeited land in disgrace. But Ruth makes a destiny decision, where you will go, I will go. And a covenant, a kingdom covenant was formed. But a day came 
when Ruth was redeemed from widowhood and Naomi from poverty by a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. A redeemer had to be qualified in three ways. Number one, they had to be a near kinsman. What does that mean? They have to have the same blood and be from the same tribe. My Savior has the same blood and we are grafted in as Gentiles to his person and his plan. The Bible says that we are sons of Abraham, that we can have everything he promised us, but ah, he's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to the lost. He's near to those who've lost hope. He's near. He is a near kinsman. Next was a willingness to redeem. It wasn't enough just to be of the same tribe or have the same blood. You had to be willing to redeem that individual. Jesus not only was qualified, he was willing that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. It's never been about how good we are. It's always been about how good he is. He was willing when the blood rushed from his head in Gethsemane, he was willing. When he saw his mama crying, he was willing. When he saved the thief on the cross, he said, you'll be with me in paradise, he was willing. When his friends fell asleep on him, he was willing. When Judas betrayed him, he was willing. When they couldn't find fault in him, he was willing. When the crowd chose Barabbas over him, he was willing. And on your worst day, my friend, when you feel the worst, and you've committed the worst of sins, he's still willing. He still died for you. He still loves you. And he's still worthy of all praise. A mysterious scroll that could only be opened by one individual, a kinsman redeemer. He was near, but he also was willing Next, he had to have the wealth to redeem someone. You know, Boaz had the wealth to buy everything back, to change the game for both Ruth and Naomi. He may have came in a manger and served as a lowly carpenter, but he had and still has access to all the riches of heaven and this world. And I tell you, I serve a wealthy Savior. Every need you have, He can pay for. And every struggle you've been faced with, He already paid for. He had to be near, He had to be willing, He had to be wealthy. He had to be someone that was willing to pay for your independence, but also someone who had the resources. He had. And still has everything that we need to walk in the freedom that's ours in Christ Jesus. A mysterious scroll representing God's plan for redemption. Number two, a myopic sadness. Years ago, before I became pastor, I was talking to a church out of town. And Dr. Jeremy Roberts told me the fact that I even considered leaving here, I was myopic. I did not know what the word meant, so I went and Googled it. Jeremy is a professor and uses big words when he preaches. 
And the word means short-sighted. Means you're only looking at one side of the story. And when John is crying out here in Revelation 5, it is with a myopic sadness that he cries out, who can open the scroll? Listen to what it says. He says, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And this is what he said. This is why it's short-sighted. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. So the question rises, who can open the scroll and restore a lost humanity? Who can save our souls? Who can forgive us of our sins? Who can change our destinies? Who can heal our bodies? He cries out. And he cries because he sees as wonderful as science is, it can't redeem us. As wonderful and as interesting as history and philosophy is, those things can't redeem us. As awesome as religion is, it can't redeem us. Only one can redeem us. John is crying here on the island of Patmos because he's able to look towards a humanity that's broken and lost and full of sin. It is the picture of someone who doesn't know Jesus crying out for help and hope but doesn't know where to go to get it or who to go to to get it. And the apostles crying out, who's worthy to open the scroll? Who, who's worthy to redeem mankind? And number three, and this answers that question. Somebody say a mighty Savior. There's only one. His name is Jesus, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, our comfort, our deliverer, our everlasting Father, the one who saved my soul, set me free, loves me with an everlasting love, who promised me heaven and promised me kingdom right here on earth. His name is Jesus, King of all kings. Oh, he's a mighty Savior. But he's not just a mighty Savior. He's a marvelous Savior. He's a magnificent Savior. Oh, because he's a spotless lamb. In this imagery, John sees the Lamb. Where did we first hear about that? The forerunner to Jesus was John the Baptist. And what did he say when he saw Jesus? He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A prophetic declaration that changed the game. When Cain murdered Abel, it was one lamb for every person. In Isaac, it was one lamb for a nation once a year. But in Christ, it was one lamb for all eternity and for all, the whole world. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And here we see a transfer of power. That's why I will always believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, a triune God, because on the cross, you have him communicating with the Father in the bab baptistry or the, the Jordan. We call it a baptistry. What's happening? The Father's speaking to the Son. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, what does he say? Forgive them myself. No, he says, forgive them, Father. Well, they know not what they do. Promises were released. He's a mighty Savior. 
transfer of power when God the Father looks to his right and hands the scroll to the only one worthy to redeem it. Verse 5, as Pastor Ken read, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. This is in response to him asking the question, Who is worthy? Do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. I'm thankful for a spotless lamb, but I'm also thankful for a lion who's unafraid. If you go into our office back there, you'll see a picture of a lion and his young son and a picture of a lion that stands alone. He is not only a lamb, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, we know those to be a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle, representing all of humanity. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the, scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Worthy is the lamb. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, listen to this, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Everybody say a new song. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of yesterday. I serve the God of a new song. Listen to what it says. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation, you've made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. There is only one way to heaven and there's only one who can guarantee you eternal life and a kingdom that cannot be shaken he is from the offspring of David he is the lion of the tribe of Judah he is a sinner savior he is preeminent above all this world can throw at you my friend he is above it all his name is Jesus Number four, in the midst of this transfer of power and a mighty Savior, we see something magnificent. There's a magnificent scene. Four living creatures, 24 elders, the voice of many angels. In the King James, it says a myriad of angels. What does that word myriad means? It means twice 10,000. Now you don't see addition in the New Testament, mathematics. But my friend Dr. Robert Jeffers believes that when you do the math, it could have been over 200 million angels around the throne worshiping 
a lamb. 24 living creatures represents the saints of old, the rapture of the church, new authority, people that held a special place in the kingdom. Four living creatures that represented humanity, a voice of many angels. But the most important thing was not who they were, it's what they did. They praised the one who saved our souls. How did they praise him? I close right here with a majestic song. A song that I want you to remember. That's why I had the praise team release the text in the form of worship because this is not the kind of message you just listen to. It's a message you respond to in the way you praise him, in the way you worship him, in the way you honor him, in the way you serve him. This isn't about religion. It's about intimacy with a Savior. And listen to this majestic song available to us because of the cross. In this song, this song of praise being released also were promises fulfilled and revealed that you have access to and that you can claim for yourself. See, when Jesus died, promises were released in him. The Bible says the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if Christ is in you, then you have access to everything he has access to. You don't just worship what he did. You walk in the promises he left for you. It's not enough just to worship what he did. You have to worship him in spirit and in truth and in the present right now. And when you worship him in the present, you can have what he has. You have access to the things of God. So I challenge you to see past doctrine and look into dominion. Look into what he bought back. And when you look into what he bought back, you'll come to the realization that because you've been redeemed, you can now redeem. And that God will give you everything that you need to do what he's called you to do. You have access to it. Paul would say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Have you ever identified with your Savior, those of you who are saved and who know Jesus? The Bible says when he died, you died. And when he was raised, you were raised. And the Bible also says that if you seek him, you'll find him. And that you can have everything that he has access to to fulfill your purpose here on earth. This is not some fable. This is a promise from God for you. Two kinds of Christians. Those who believe they can have what God says they can have and those who settle for yesterday. Jesus died for so much more than we give him credit for. He didn't just die for your sins. He died for your peace. He died for your healing. 
He died for your prosperity. He died for your legacy. He died for everything you struggle with so that you could be brought into covenant and experience his grace and his freedom. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe. Somebody say every tribe. And tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. Now, I'm not saying you are God, but what I am saying is he lives in you, and you can reign. You are kings and priests. You are more than conquerors. You are more than you think you are. You have the spirit of Jesus on the inside of you. You can't lose. You can't fail. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Now here we go. Here's here's the promises available to you. To receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. And the four living creatures said amen and the 24 elders bowed down and worshiped him. Power. Jesus will give you the power to finish. Riches. He has the resources to help you fulfill whatever God's put on the inside of your heart. Wisdom. There is no problem Jesus can't solve. You may have hit a dead end in your thinking, but there is an answer. It comes from Jesus. Power and riches and wisdom and might. You know, Jesus can be mighty through you. If you've got fear, you've got anxiety about dealing with a situation, he's a mighty God. He's a mighty Savior. And he lives on the inside of you. And he'll give you the power that you need to defeat every enemy, every hindrance, every heartache, every sin struggle, if you'll give it to him. Honor. Jesus is preeminent above all. He is worthy of honor But it's more than that. He bestows honor onto the people he loves. Kings and priests, those are positions of honor. We have access to that because of the Savior of the world. So false humility is no longer an option. We are people of honor. Because the one who died for us is worthy of that honor. He's bestowed it upon us. Walk. With your head held high. With the word in your heart. With the confidence of Christ on the inside of you. And know who you are. Next is glory. Jesus has divine rights over every principality and power. Yes, I believe in spiritual warfare. I've seen demons manifest. I've cast them out. I've seen them attack friends of mine. But any time the name of Jesus has been invoked, I've seen them flee. Because they've already been defeated. They just need to be reminded of who's worthy of the glory. Because Lucifer forfeited his right to glory. 
when he turned his back on a Savior. Don't you forfeit your glory by turning your back on the one who bestows glory. I say this from the bottom of my heart. Jesus is my Savior, my Lord, and my King. This is his church. This is his house. He is worthy of all praise. Don't you ever look at me and give me glory. He's due. I have no interest in that. My job is to point you to him. And finally, the blessing of God. He blesses his children. Glory, honor, power, riches, wisdom, might, and his blessing. God wants to bless you. He wants to connect with you. He wants you to experience everything he sent his son to die for. But you've got to make up your mind today that enough is enough. And accept that Savior who died on that cross into your heart. And if you don't know Jesus, the first thing you need to do is accept his free gift of grace. And the thing you need to do as Christians, for those of you who are already saved, is stop living beneath your privilege. You need to change how you worship, how you go to war, and how you serve. Because this little flippant idea of worship that we do here in America just ain't cutting it. He's worthy of so much more. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you watching online in the house, I don't ever like to land a plane or close a message without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This Savior, this Lamb, this Lion I've been preaching to you about today came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. You just have to connect with Him. How do you do that? The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's all you got to do is confess it. Then he'll turn you into a worshiper. If you need Jesus right now, pray this prayer with me in your heart or out loud. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to our Abba's House app. Register your salvation decision. We'll be in contact with you about getting baptized and finding a place to serve this church. If you're already a Christian and you want to connect with this church as your home church, you can do that on our app as well. Just go there, fill out the paperwork. Someone will be in contact with you this week. Now, for the rest of you, I'd like you to stand up. And let's try this worship thing over again. Now that we've heard what it's going to be like when we reign with him. With the 24 elders, and the four living creatures, and the innumerable company of angels, when we've been reminded of what he's done for us, our worship should change and should go to the next level. I don't care how you do it, but he's worthy of it. 
whatever you do to worship now would be the time where you forget those things which are behind you and you worship the king of all kings who's worthy of all praise just begin to lift your voices in prayer and worship wherever you are just lift your voices in prayer worship if you've got a prayer language you can release that in the house just begin to worship God wherever you are you are in him those of you who know him his promises are true his pathway has been preordained you just need to get in on it so wherever you are just magnify the Lord begin to thank him begin to honor him list his attributes the things that he's done for you his promises from his word just thank him wherever you are lift up your praise to the Father Lord we love you we worship you today Lord you're worthy of our praise we bow down Father and we worship you because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ you are our everything you are worthy you are holy you are magnificent you are powerful Lord thank you for saving us when we were at the bottom Lord thank you for paving a way for us Lord Thank you for our healing. Thank you for our wisdom. Thank you, Lord, that we are experiencing your glory. Lord, we're so thankful for all you've done for us, Lord. We're thankful that our hope is not in our nation or in any political leader. Our hope is in you. And, Lord, we know we win. And we know you're coming back for a bride. And we rejoice in that today, Lord. And we long for the day where there is no more sorrow. No more pain and no more tears and no more COVID, no more cancer and no more death where we will inherit our new body and we will worship you, Lord, and we will come to the full realization of who you are. But in the meantime, we worship you, Lord, with everything in us because you are worthy to be praised. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for all you are for everything you've done and for the promises you've left us that are true we worship you Father just worship him wherever you are in this place just worship him